Hi, this is Elliot, host of Inspired Edinburgh. Please come and check out our Facebook page for all of the latest updates. If I could ask a small favour, please could you subscribe and review our show on iTunes. By doing this, you'll be helping us reach a wider audience and have a greater impact by challenging perceptions and encouraging people to live a more conscious life. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh. Powerful conversations helping you reconnect with your purpose. I'm Elliot Reeves and my guest today is Tony Singh MBE. Tony is one of the UK's best loved celebrity chefs, renowned for his lively personality, a skill in designing quirky and delicious dishes. You've starred in BBC Two's A Cook Abroad and The Incredible Spice Men, as well as having regular appearances on The Great British Menu, Saturday Kitchen and Ready Steady Cook. You're an award-winning restaurateur, a previous winner of Scottish Chef of the Year, and you're awarded an MBE in the 2017 Honours List for Services to Food and Drink, and also for your charity work. Tony, it's an honour to have you here. Welcome to the show. Elliot, thanks for having me in. Absolute pleasure. No, it's great to have you here. Cool. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting into discussion and... You know. My boring chat. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure it's not. <laughs> I'm sure it's yeah. not. So it would be super um, if you could start by just kind of setting the scene and telling us about, you know, your, your early life, you know, where you grew up and, mm-hmm. and what life was, was kind of like throughout. Um, uh, I am third generation Sikh, uh, born in Edinburgh in Leith. Uh, you have to still quantify it because Lee's still got its own soul, which is great. <laughs> uh, we recently moved to Portobello, but I try to keep that quiet. But uh, my great-granddad came over in about 1947, 46, I think it was 46, then he went back to India again. And then after partition, when they were made refugees from just outside Lahore, they went from there to Amritsar, Amritsar, Delhi, Delhi. Southampton, Southampton, to God's country. We were up in Scotland. <laughs> then he asked why we're just very lucky. And I asked my granny once why. She said, well, they thought the streets were paved with gold, but more importantly, the rivers ran with whiskey. So I went, okay, done. <laughs> so, uh, and the thing was, everybody thought they were going to go back home. They were going to make a bit of money and go back home. And X amount of years later, we're still here. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, grew up in Leith. Um, for those people uncultured enough not to know what Leith is, the centre of the universe, <laughs> it's the port area of uh, Edinburgh. It was joined to Edinburgh in 17... Oh, God, now. 1761? Anyway, <laughs> not long enough ago. <laughs> and it's always been like any port in any city, a uh, mixing pot of people, of immigrants, of travellers, of styles of flavours of the poor but it's always they've always held together they've always had a a sense of community and it's still there and so it was great growing up and down in Leith it was brilliant Mm -hmm. what was your your sort of education like well we we went to Lawn Street Primary and then from Lawn Street went to the Academy Leith Academy (laughs) the good one and basically uh, it's like most schools in Edinburgh at that time if you were clever you were pushed along. If you weren't, you were shown the sport. If you weren't good at sport, you were just left to your own devices. <laughs> Luckily enough, I was good at home economics. And I won the prize. If I had to keep that quiet for all my mates because you just got to kick in. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just got to do it. So uh, I love cooking because great cooks in the house, mum and dad, granny, everybody's a good cook. But one of the cornerstones of the Sikh faith is Lungar, which is a communal kitchen, a free kitchen. 
every week and every Sikh temple, every Gurdwara around the world, they will feed anybody and everybody. And so it's always around food and that thing of equality, breaking bread and the essence of bringing people together over food. Mm-hmm. So it was always there. So when I, I knew I wanted to be a chef and at 16 left school, they just sold British Transport Hotels. Uh, for those who don't know what British Transport Hotels were, they were these hotels owned by British Rail. That sounds a bit dodgy, but Glen Eagles, Cali, the Balmoral, mm-hmm. uh, the Glasgow Centre, all BTH hotels. You mean Swan down south and everything? They were the the nurseries of future chefs, but they had stopped. They've been sold off privately, so the the apprenticeship schemes had stopped. So, but it was a YTS. So it was YTS, and I went to Scottish and Newcastle. I worked with them, and I went to Telford College, and from there studied seven hundred six one and two. Worked around hotels in Edinburgh. Um, first full time job would have been. Well, full time. We were doing full time while I was at college. I was at Stackers Casino. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked at the Mount Royal, then the uh, Balmoral, then the Royal Scotsman Train, Ardenasig. Went down to London for about six weeks. Hated it. Came back up, and then got a job down in uh, Gravesend Manor, East Sussex. Worked in London while I was down there. Uh, came back up. Worked for Martin's Irons Restaurant in Rose Street. Uh, when people talk about foraging and provenance and everything, Martin was a trailblazer. He knew the cow's names, where the cheese came from and everything, and really? it wasn't a show or gimmick. So from there, we worked around people that were always cutting edge, always had this ethos of good food, bringing people together, uh, having a good time. Yeah. Um, Martin's used to have a, a private dining room, and that was an idea took to all the rest when we opened, but for all the financial roadshows that come, people go in there and have their chat and sit and eat. Yeah. And then I worked at the Royal York Britannia. I was the first civilian chef. We changed that into a venue. Uh, I won ITV Chef of the Year. Hmm. Uh, I was up against, it was the first commercial, it was the first professional cookery show on telly. I was up against my old head chefs and everything that I'd learnt from, and I won, which was great. Mm-hmm. And I took a big leap of faith and I handed my notice in, started looking for investors and I had some and at that time James Sankey who was front of house manager for the eight term uh, got in touch with me he was looking for a, a bar and I was looking for a restaurant he said let's join together mm. and see what we can do and we opened all the Rosso with 22 investors and uh, yeah um, we started in 2000 the restaurant opened in 2001 December and in February of 2002, James had a cardiac arrest and passed away, mm. which was terrible because mm-hmm. he was front of house, I was back house, and that was really hard because I had to learn the front of house, where to get people in, and difficult times. But without James and that, which got all the also would never have happened. Mm-hmm. And then we've got that off the ground, ran that for until 2005, paid off our investors, unheard of, it's about EIS scheme. But anyway, unheard of, <laughs> and I should have sold the business the next day. But being, oh, it's my baby, <laughs> kept it silly. And then 2007 comes, the crash happens, mm-hmm. and all restaurants in Edinburgh suffer because all the lunches disappear. It was on, get the cars, just gone oh, overnight. Right. Oh. And as being a top-end restaurant, we had all the, the, the whining and dining was stopped as well. Mm-hmm. So really hard couple of years, got it back on track, <coughs> kept on going. Uh, sold, <coughs> sold it in 2013 mm-hmm. 
and then just been kicking about doing pop-ups and that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so, I mean, going back to when you were kind of younger, I mean, what were your your aspirations? You've obviously, you've achieved a huge amount in your in your time, mm-hmm. but what did you kind of plan to do when you started? Um, until I knew, well, until we left school, um, I worked with my uncles in the markets, um, helped out, we always worked, was working family, you know what I mean? So we're always up, always doing something. Mm-hmm. And when I knew I wanted to be a chef, the dream is I want a restaurant. <laughs> is that, is, is and that was it, yeah. We, got, we had one, which got the first time we opened something that was called Chimes Coffee Shop down in Cannon Mills, but it failed. You know what I mean? It didn't work. Uh, luckily, it was only money. So which got the, my parents let me. Um, now, I think for chefs to try something, you're in hock before thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Your parents are putting up securities. You've got a personal guarantee in that, so I would say never do it because still nine out of ten restaurants fail. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And instead of getting up and dusting yourself off, you, you're stuck with this round your neck now. Yeah, yeah. So when do you think you first discovered your your re- true passion for for cooking? Oh well, which what like I was saying, uh, mum, dad, great cooks, everything like up. And the communal kitchen, the lungar that we do at the mm-hmm. temple, always helped there, always loved to be around food. Big family, and if you helped in the kitchen, you got extra food, so like, you get to like, the spoon, whatever it is. Yeah. Loved it. So I've always wanted to be around food, you know what I mean? There was never anything else, never yeah, wanted yeah. to be a mechanic or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you've not had, I suppose, a traditional style of cooking um, for somebody that's of, um, you know, kind of Indian heritage, if you like. You've well, that was one of the... curry type... Yeah, well, that's one of the things I made sure of. I've still not been... The Indian food that I make is very homegrown Punjabi style. Mm -hmm. And I only do that now because people say, can you do it? I said, yes. But pay me, yes, I can cook it. Not a problem. But the marrying of spices I've always used through my career because classically trained French cuisine through college, through the whole party system, everything like that. And I've always brought that, kept that aside. But when I was allowed as a head chef to experiment, Mm-hmm. Always put the spices in, always brought different ideas from around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's it, because when people look at you, oh, what kind of curries do you And I just, now I say, yes, what would you like? <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, what would you like? <laughs> because when you go through the spiel, you just get bored and go, oh my God. Yeah. So, w- what are some of your, your favourite dishes to make? It keeps changing. Yeah? Keeps changing, you know what I mean? Uh, we've got a ceviche of uh, West Coast scallops just now with pomegranate. Stunning, just fresh, chopped up lime juice, some onions, some coriander, pomegranate seeds. Don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Roast lobster, Highland wagyu beef. We're doing stuff with that. Nice. It's just there's so much. You know what I mean? And it and it keeps changing. It's quite hard to say what would you yeah. best last dish be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You've had um, obviously a, a, a career in television as well. Mm-hmm. How did that first start? Well. Falteringly, because when I won ITV Chef of the Year, left work, I said, right, I'm going to be telly. Went down to London, got an agent, and the agent said, uh, you need to go for elocution lessons. I went, fuck off. Seriously? <laughs> but silly me, I should have went, yes. I should have went for elocution lessons, because I would have been huge. In my own island, I wouldn't be here doing a chat. But <laughs> it was just it was just taken off again. It goes peaks and troughs. But then a regional accent was frowned upon. Now it's quite cool. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm not changing. I said, I'm a cook. And this is that I'm a chef first. 
the telly stuff's great, uh-huh. but I'm not chasing the telly. I mean, you have to make a decision if you want to chase the telly and everything. You need to be in London. All the media's in London. Okay. Whatever comes, cool. I'll say yes. I love it. Uh-huh. I love doing it. It's great fun. The people you meet, it's brilliant. I just came back from doing a piece for the one show for the Bramley Apple Tree. So, no, so all uh, Bramley Apple Trees in the world come from this one tree. Right? Mm-hmm. So from this one tree, they've taken um, budding and they've uh, grafted it and everything. But this is, goes on, so they've grafted an orchard and somebody else grafts it. Mm-hmm. But what they're doing is cloning it to wind back all the slight genetic modifications and everything because the tree's dying as well. But the amazing thing with the Bramley apple tree is being grown by seed, which I think, oh, all apple trees grow by seed. That's what I thought. Yes, you can grow apple trees with a seed, but the chances of that apple tree producing an edible fruit, lottery, one in a million. Seriously? Seriously. So the Bramley apple tree to be grown in the first place was this little girl planted two seeds one tree died and the one bore the Bramley apple, it's like a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing, yeah. I thought, yeah, you just seed, plant seeds. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Have you got any more plans to be involved in television Anything. shows? Anything. Any- yeah. Really? Yeah, so if you're putting this out, <laughs> we can do serious talk shows as well. Not anything. You've got an incredibly colourful style and uh, you, you, you say it how it is. I love that. But this is that people think, um, it depends. If I think if you're an actor or you've been trained in television or media and you can put on certain things, I'd be no good as an actor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the most difficult thing for me is uh, using a script where somebody else has wrote. Because mm. I wouldn't say things, I wouldn't say like that. You know what I mean? 14 words to say something like, fuck off. <laughs> Oh. So on the, the 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 sort of cooking side, I mean, how would you describe your your cooking style? Um, using the best of Scotland's produce with influences around the world, because we've got the best produce in the world. You believe that? Oh no, definitely, it's fantastic. You know what I mean? What what makes it the best? Do you think? Well, it's, it comes back to climate, the waters, everything like that. It's, this shite about Scotland having a really bad diet. Yes, we have got a bad diet. That only happened when we got cheap sugar, mm. all that kind of stuff. But the seafood around the West Coast, everything up in the North Sea, stunning. The the game that we've got, amazing. You know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. The beef, the the pork that's coming in, naissance and that. The wee artisan growers and everything like that. It's just amazing. We've got lots of water lush greenery I mean the grass for the beef and the lamb and the pork and whatever it's just it's brilliant mm-hmm. what do you think is the the essence of good food a bit of TLC yeah you know what I mean <laughs> if it comes from the ground the farmers put that TLC in that care and it comes through if you look after it treat it with a bit of respect sound anything from the sea hats off man you know what I mean the fishermen that go out there get medals fuck that it's mm-hmm. just crazy you need to respect that animals giving its life for you and you look after it yeah i've always personally thought that that it's, it's essentially love mm-hmm. you know love that goes into the food makes food seem seem to taste better oh definitely <laughs> if you've got that, a bit of an attitude or a bit of craziness going on and you can tell sometimes when you've just not been in it or had an off day this mm-hmm. stuff's not as nice but you're just mellow yeah. and nice and fun yeah what does a, a day in the life of Tony Singh look like these days? Oof. 
that if we went with today, uh, came back from Aberdeen last night. So we were up in Fife's Castle doing a summer ball for an oil company. We got that ready, went up Friday, went up Saturday morning, done the dinner Saturday night, that finished at three, back to the hotel, drove back from Aberdeen at nine because Father's Day, got in, <laughs> done the visits and everything like that, got back home, started prep on the stuff for today, so we've done all the paperwork, ordering everything, got to bed for 12, got up in the morning at seven, into work. Uh, stuff didn't get delivered, going to have to get uh, ingredients, going to have to go and see somebody about an ice cream machine, came back, started the prep, had a meeting with a chef, looked at new suppliers, finished off prep for this evening, and then here. <laughs> and then after this, go back, drop off, I've got a letter from mum, drop off a letter from my mum, go home, uh, I've got, I'm at the Highland show, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, start organising the ingredients lists, equipment lists for that and that'll be going on coinciding with the next two days and then Thursday into that. Yeah, gee. I know. Go on. <laughs> How much of your time is spent actually cooking versus kind of oversight or consultancy? It's quite hard because uh, it's basically me. I've drawn people so I'm doing the paperwork as well. Just so now it's more cooking which is good. Um, I would say it's flipped to say about 60% admin, 40% cooking okay. because you're chasing the jobs as well. Mm -hmm. So once the house is set up and we're doing the dinners, people know where to come. So that'll be more cooking. That's what I'm doing. That's where I am. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk a bit more about that in yep. a second. Um, you, I read a, it was in the Herald a couple of years ago, and you said, I'm so over fine dining, and I think most people are. Why are you over fine dining, and what do you think most people nowadays are looking for? They want a bit of fun. The fine dining is great, there's always got a place for it when you want to, you've achieved something, you want to spoil somebody, you want to feel opulent, mm -hmm. and it's always going to be there. But those restaurants do well, that's why they're still there. You've got a raft of restaurants that come and tinker around the edges and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And why do it badly? <laughs> Good food doesn't need all that pomp and ceremony around it. And I think it's getting stripped back. People want to be fed, want a nice happy atmosphere, happy staff, and have a bit of a laugh there. Most fine dining restaurants, you wouldn't have a raucous table. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have a belly laugh in a corner. <laughs> Never heard it. Unless yeah. we're there, people hate us when we're in. <laughs> so that'd be the difference. Yeah. Plus, I suppose it's the sort of accessibility factor for people who want good food but can't afford to pay. Well, this is the thing. Food's always been fashionable. And it's always been enjoyed by the elite at different levels. Mm -hmm. I think the problem now is food is getting used more of a, a, a divider than a, a, a tool to bring people together. How did you find out you were going to be awarded an MBE? Ah, right. So that was, uh, we were down in London at a, a Thanksgiving uh, service for the Duke of Edinburgh at Westminster Abbey, because we do stuff with the Duke of Edinburgh the award scheme. Oh, got you. And then on the way back up, 
got a phone call from my agent. They'd been in touch with the agent. Sent her a letter. Would Tony like to receive an MBA? I went, yes. <laughs> Couldn't tell anybody because it was in the New Year's honours list. So that was <laughs> like, the hardest thing. So, and we celebrated with a couple of um, Strongbow ciders in the second class carriage on the train. So it's cool. But had to keep that. Told mum and dad on Christmas Day. So they were chuffed. And then it came out on the 31st. So it was brilliant. Amazing. Yeah, it was really what, good. what does it mean to you? It's, uh, I never expected it. Um, it's just a good pat on the back for all that hard work. You know what I mean? You work and you enjoy it and you do it and you think, you know what, it's really good, I like doing it. But it's, to be awarded something through your work, something that you have studied for and practiced and put the hours in, yeah. it's great. You know what I mean? It is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Proper recognition. It is. Well, it's quite... It's very strange because the, the, you've got this MBE, Member British Empire. Mm-hmm. Mm, Empire, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and you go, oh, you great take it. Well, yes. How <laughs> many people have you heard of that have said no? Would, would you have considered... I was thinking about it, you know really? what I mean, because there's so much there, there's so much there about the 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 empire, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the annoying thing is when they try to cover up the good, the bad, as the good as yes, good railroads, yes, that was to take the the raw material from the hinterland to the coast. That's why they done it. Didn't do it for anybody else. You know what I mean, it's that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. If you look at it in clarity, and yes, it was there to rape, pillage, and take as much as you can. And the byproduct was good. You know what I mean? It's that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Uh, there's no that fluffing edges needs mm-hmm. to stop. It has to be an adult conversation. This happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, colonization doesn't happen anymore because it was bad. <laughs> We've yeah. moved on. This is uh-huh. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that recognition from the establishment, basically. Yes. Too. Yeah. And I think it's really good because it helps with business helps with charity you know what i mean it is good you can do more for charities you can do more for yourself as well it's a, it's a great thing yeah definitely i was i was thinking this earlier i mean to what degree has the sikh community in edinburgh and scotland changed and throughout the years in sense of what they've always been there they've been very industrialist they've been uh, hard working um, the thing with the Sikh community anywhere in the world is they, they integrate. Hmm. You know what I mean? We're there, we integrate, we, um, we're we a self-sustaining community. One of the things is the three tenants that Sikhism was founded on, Girgaro, Vanshako, Nam Jap was work for your living, the first one, then share what you have, and then meditate on God. In that order, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're a very liberal, forward-thinking, practical religion. So we do stuff for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just get on with it. And, mm. and that's everywhere around the world. How religious are you? I'm quite religious, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. If you put me down for a theological kind of thing, no. But I know I'm <laughs> spiritual. That's the main thing. I'm more spiritual than religious, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. Stuff. Um, in terms of the food industry in Scotland, what are your views on it in general? I think it's very, very good. It's up there. Yeah. What annoys me is you get all this deep fried Mars bar chat, you know what I mean? You just go, <laughs> and it's annoying because, yeah, 
deep fried chocolate. Mm, that's lovely. Crispy, crunchy, nice. Like I said, when we had the Royal Yacht, and it was in 2000, that's when it was all going. We had all these journals up to London. And they were going, oh, I've got a deep fried Mars bar. I was like, bah, that's okay. But we just made champagne truffles. They were in the freezer. They were in the fridge, actually. So I popped them in the freezer just before they went. We deep fried them in tempura bar. They came out with some nice Malden sea salt and everything. I went, ooh, I said, yes, uh, cru what's it? Cru I can't really pronounce it now. Croissant of caramel au chocolat of Excel. Okay. So I said it in French and I went, oh, and I went, oh, that's fabulous. I went, a bit bigger and in one size, that's a marshmallow. <laughs> and it's true, it's how it's sold. Yes. And it's how it's done. <laughs> and then... Uh, you just see the colour being from their faces. Really? Uh, yeah. So I would never, I would not have a whole one. We've got in the menu just now, we've got something similar. We've got small nuggets of uh, chocolate and caramel. We've deep fried it. We've got a vinegar gel and everything, all that kind of stuff. And it's nice. So it works. Rich, unctuous, crispy, cut with a bit of sharpness and sweet. Nice. What's wrong with that? I yeah. mean, it's just one of these things. One of your, uh, or one of the dishes that you're famous for is uh, haggis pakora. Haggis pakora, well, it's anything with haggis in it, it's a winner. <laughs> it's lovely, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, and that's why there's some nice haggises out there, there's some not so nice haggises out there, mm. but never try a haggis in America, just know the tinned haggis it is disgusting. Yeah. Mm. Because you're not allowed to take pluck, so the lung and esophagus, that's why Scotch haggis can't go to America. Oh, right. Right, so mm. that's, but that got a nice texture and everything. So I had it, we were doing something for the Tartan Parade in New York. I had to use tint haggis. I said, oh, we're not using that. Because it was, nah, it wasn't any good. <laughs> but haggis is great. And a pakora, Punjabi by heart, it's one of these things. It's deep fried, then you can put the neeps and tatties in there and the haggis. It just works so well. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. Um, what are the things, or yeah, I suppose, is there anything that you think that we could do better in Scotland? Um, on the, uh, the government's got a big drive on healthy eating. That's one of the things that they do. Successive governments do that. Uh, basically, I don't care what, who, what, who or what government is in power. What they need to do is bring back home economics, but with vengeance. They should need it in primary, they need it in secondary school, they need to teach our kids how to cook. Mm -hmm. how it tastes. The problem is you've got a couple of generations of parents that, that have not had it. Uh, their palates have not been stretched. Mm -hmm. And you see it in restaurants, well, my kids won't try that. And it's not them, it's you, because you won't eat it. The kids don't eat it, they won't try. Mm -hmm. Kids are fearless, they'll try anything. And it's to get that whole thing is food's lovely. Yeah, and yeah, pasta doesn't come from trees. But, uh, honestly, some kids think spaghetti trees, all that kind of stuff, it's just... Wow. That's it, it's hard because we do stuff for some food charities and the challenges of not just having food is some people don't have cooking equipment for food, a pot or pan, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They go in, it's cold food, it's cereal, if that. And then it's been proven study after study, a healthy breakfast, a nutritional diet, reduces hyperactivity, increases attention, all the things that we know mm -hmm. we need to put in place. We just keep talking about it. <laughs> so how do you go about influencing policy yeah. and, and government? they ask you know what I mean I don't know if they didn't ask they know there's enough people out there that have got the the knowledge and then instead of sound bites you need to employ the right people to do it yeah mm. it's not easy though is it well I think it could be yeah they just need to do it <laughs> there you go 
when, I, when we were growing up in the school, we had school dinner and they were nutritional. They were nice, we had a choice. How did that stop? Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Why did it stop, you know what I mean? Or we become such a poor country, we can't give kids school dinners. Hmm. Yeah. What are some of the things that you're doing in the, the local community? Uh, what we're doing recently, we just done charity, we've done fundraising for, it's a cafe down in Leith called Punjabi Junction that teaches women from all uh, backgrounds how to get to work and everything like that. Uh, I'm just going to sign up for an Arctic trek for St. Columbus. Really? Hospice. Yes. I've wow. just been told I'm doing it. I need to get my finger out, sign up and get some cash in. Uh, <laughs> we've just done a dinner for the hit Scotland. Yeah, bits and pieces. Yeah. Thanks. It's good. It's really good to give back. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, what would your advice be to young people who are interested in going into the food industry today? It, it depends. Front of house, both sides, front and back house, are hard, hard work. Front of house, you're working on your feet all day. You're working with some horrible people, very pernickety people, um, horrible chefs in the kitchen. You're working in a sweaty box, no windows, <laughs> long hours. Uh, but I would never change it. It's fantastic. I'd change the conditions. I would never change the job. It's great. You'll need to do that. Most places are quite difficult to work in until you get to a certain level. Persevere. It's a job where if you're not academic, I'm not an academic, you can still get places, travel the world, mm-hmm. meet interesting people through this industry. Hospitality, you know what I mean? And it's great. And that's it, you're there to give people a good time. Yeah, yeah. What more do you want? That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. What, what have been some of your best experiences throughout your journey? Gosh, uh, working on Royal Scotsman train, fantastic. That was really good. Uh, the Balmoral uh, Hotel, um, cooking in Monte Carlo. Hmm. Uh, get an MBE, having lunch with the Queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just been fantastic. It's really good. Working in New York for the Tartan Week, um, going to get my own single barrel Jack Daniels, going great picking at the Mouton Rothschild. It's just, goes on, it's brilliant. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. you have to pinch yourself sometimes because yeah. it's just good fun. <laughs> yeah. So looking back, I mean, would you have thought that what you've done would have been possible? No, not at all. The, 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 the key was, I, I knew I'd get my own restaurant, and that was the goal. Mm-hmm. I had the restaurant and then everything else, and your eyes were open and you've seen all kinds of stuff that was brilliant. Yeah. How do you think you've been able to be as successful as you have been? Working with the right people. Uh, getting anywhere. Hard work. Perseverance. Talent. That's a taken. Mm. You need to work with the right people. You need that bit of luck. And my luck was working with the right people that imparted their knowledge to me. Hmm. And I was lucky enough to be there, receive it, and then use that. So, so who are some of the people that have had an influence on you? Uh, Graham Coburn was the head chef at the Royal Scotsman Train. I worked with him. I went with him a few places. Um, my lecturers at Telford College, Jerry Lanzel, Ian Davidson, uh, chef down in England, uh, Stephen Morey, 
Um, Graham Newbold, who's at the Inverlochy Castle. Um, Chung Heng, he was a chef de part, you know, sous chef at the fine dining restaurant in the Balmoral. He came over from Germany, chef of Hong Kong, worked in Germany, then came over. Oh. It's just, there's loads of folk, loads of folk. James Hankey, uh, Chris mm-hmm. Potts. Um, yeah, it's just been lucky enough to work with really good people. Yeah, what sort of things have they imparted on you? Well, they've all had that same work ethic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That dedication to quality. Hmm. And that's the thing, it's quality, you know what I mean? Don't cut corners. Mm-hmm. Take your time, it might take a bit longer or reduce what you're doing. So you don't need to cut corners. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do a, a pie, make it the best pie. <laughs> nice pie, done. <laughs> and if somebody comes, oh, it's only a pie. Well, yes, it says pie shop. Guess, customers need to understand something, go somewhere and they went, oh, can we have that too? A restaurant's not like a supermarket, especially now. Things are tight, so they only buy what they need. Mm-hmm. They only hold what the restaurant menu is. And some, like I've had somebody say, "Oh, I'd like a nice quinoa salad." Can I said, well, "We haven't got any." <laughs> what do you mean? Well, don't use it. Yeah. Yeah. Why would and you have shocked. it? <laughs> yeah. But that's that kind of thing. You know, it's yeah, just it's, weird. Yeah. There's a curious, uh, almost snobbery around elements of the. Uh, the kind of food industry, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, you're a guest and you come in, it's nice, and you have to be, you have to be pleasant, you have to be hospitable, you know what I mean? You're getting hospitality shown to you, you have to be nice to staff. There's a Spanish proverb, it's only an, a donkey or a madman that argues with a chef. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. <laughs> I've never heard that. I love that. Yeah. So. Classic. Um, if you hadn't become a chef, what do you think you might be doing? I wanted to be an international playboy, but <laughs> there was no classes for it, you know what I mean? Or job openings. I would have done that. Yeah. I could I could see myself yeah, being a Maharaja of somewhere. <laughs> oh, man. What an answer. It's been brilliant finding out uh, about you, Tony. You're an you know immensely co- colourful uh, character. Your your passion and your energy comes across. I think it's fantastic. I've got a few questions I'd really like to ask you around sort of purpose and success, mm-hmm. which are some of the main themes of, of uh, the show here. Um, as far as you're concerned, what do you feel that your your kind of purpose is? Uh, <coughs> it's changed. Mm-hmm. So when I was training, purpose was to become a good chef, hmm. have a restaurant, be successful. So as it goes along, you become a good chef, you have the restaurant, and then you've got family, and then you go, ah, work-life balance. Never heard it before, but then work-life balance, and you go, right, oh, my eldest daughter has just left school and gone to uni. What? And you, where has it went? So purpose is now is to have a work-life balance where I enjoy my work again, mm-hmm. I get to see the family, and I can impart my knowledge. Yeah. So that's the purpose now. Nice. I mean, mm-hmm. unless you're going for a chain or something, becoming a millionaire in the industry is hard, hard, hard graft. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What would you like your legacy to be? Oh, God. <laughs> legacy, I don't know. I've got one of these... Uh, Safety bracelets on, so if I drop down dead, burn the computer, destroy the phone, so. <laughs> as long as it's not in there, it's all good. <coughs> uh, 
I don't know, I've never thought about legacy. Nah, really? I've never been. My kids are my legacy. Yeah. 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 Well, but you'll likely be remembered as somebody who's had a major influence on well, them. Well, hopefully the people that have worked for me yeah. will have lent something. You know what I mean? If you can get, it's great to bump into people that have uh, benefited from the knowledge I've gained from other people. I was at a, a dinner recently in Glasgow. It was a hit charity and one of the tables near me, a lovely lady came over Big cuddle, oh, you gave a talk at Glasgow University, very inspired, that's why I was in the catering. I went, oh, thank you. Cool, I thought that after she was working, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you define success? Oh, gosh, being happy. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, I've kicked about with a lot of people with lots of money who are miserable as <laughs> sin. Really? Oh, really? And I go, my God. Yeah, just, yeah, be happy. How happy are you? I'm happy. Yeah? Yeah. If all my problems are first world problems, eh? <laughs> if you look at it, it's everything that I've brought on myself, so you just stop and go, cool. But I don't need it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, who or what inspires you? Uh, passionate people, confidence, energy. That inspires me, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Quest for knowledge inspires me. People that want to know stuff inspire me as well. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's the constant evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, okay, I'll give you an opportunity to talk about your your um, plans over the next few years, where you see yourself going, your vision. Well, the next few months, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll just go to revamping the kitchen. We're torn about looking at a restaurant or doing something, so we've looked at changing the kitchen, made it bigger, extended it, big island, do some classes there for teaching. But uh, the main thing is, it's going to be dinner parties for 12 people on a Friday and Saturday night. Then you come and it's a dinner party, it's not a restaurant experience or anything, you'd guess at my house <laughs> and you'll get fed what's there and you'll have a very good time. And that's it. Really? You know what I mean? Jukebox, bit of fun, just some fun. Yeah. And you'll try things you've not tried before because you'll be a good guest and you'll eat it. What sorts of things are likely to be on the menu for that then? I don't know, it'll be, I've got great suppliers I've used for years, mm -hmm. but, uh, and they'll phone me and let me know, but it's got the high notes, so if you're a guest at a hotel in Edinburgh and you've heard, or you want to go and try all of the things that Scotland's famous for, there'll be haggis, there'll be scallops, there'll be haggis, there'll be shellfish, there'll be seafood, there'll be beef or lamb, it's going to be these things, and they'll be in there. So you'll go and you'll have this cracking taste yeah. of Scotland, but with techniques from around the world. I mean, we've done a ceviche, the Scots with that will be on in the summer. Mm -hmm. Come in the winter, we'll probably roast it with something. Um, what? Come come autumn, we've got all the games. There'll be game, we'll have grouse, we'll have pheasant, we'll have uh, snipe, whatever we can shoot. <laughs> we take up shooting. <laughs> Any curries? Yeah, there might be a bit curry. There'll be yeah. spice. There'll be spice used in it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my signature dish will be salmon. Oh, in really? there, yeah. But because uh, I, I do Punjabi salmon, this is a dish I've travelled the world on, and uh, it's evolved from what how we normally used to have it. it was salmon bones. Yeah, so we're having salmon bones. People eating salmon bones. How does that work? Ah, uh, you have to come along and try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's lovely. Honestly, it's fantastic. 
and that'll be definitely on a course that'll be on the menu yeah yeah nice what's the best piece of advice you've ever received learn from other people's mistakes <laughs> if somebody's giving you a bit of advice when they've cocked it up learn from it yeah yeah that's why you've got two ears and one mouth keep it quiet sometimes <laughs> and just listen how many how many failures has it taken to get to where you are now? Oh well, we had them. Um, the coffee shop didn't work. Um, we had roti that worked in a smaller venue. Then we went to a bigger venue. Didn't work at a bigger venue. We sold it. So you still class that as not working. Uh, Tony's table that was a pop up when we were doing set meal twenty quid down in Castle Street uh, we couldn't get funding from the banks that was 2010 mm. to buy it so that was a shame so we pegged that um, aye you just need to keep going get up dust off carry on yeah oh, yeah I was going to say what, what have you kind of learnt from things that you've oh, the biggest thing never burn your suppliers um. never because they're young small businesses I've still got the same guys we've used forever so, you know what I mean? It's never screw your suppliers or that over. Yeah. Keeping good relationships. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Hmm. If you had uh, an opportunity to speak to your 20-year-old self, what would you say? Fuck. <laughs> what was it? It's 20. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Well, that is. Yeah. We were just, I was on track. Actually, if I was 20, in 2017... Leicester, Obama, and who else was it for the triple? If you put five on each, you'd be a millionaire, <laughs> multi-millionaire. I'd told myself that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Might not have made you happy, though. Oh, if I knew if I was coming, I'd be happy. Yeah. <laughs> you still have to wait. You still carry on what you're doing, but on those three, on that date, put your money on name. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could change anything in the world, what would it be and why? Oh, gosh. Um intolerance you get that away from people too many mad fuckers eh? honestly honestly there's just too many mad folk that get wound up about the wrong things mm -hmm. such as religion politics gender all that kind of stuff just yeah chill mm. it's a good message yeah it's just like people are just honestly just mad Totally. You, you can't even look at anything now. There's always something horrendous happening around the world. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at different news channels, one of the things I like doing is looking at different news channels and how they're reporting on different things. And you just go, fucking, it's the same, it's just the same incident in three or four different perspectives. And you go, wow. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're all the same race. And that's fine. And then you see all this and you go, that's nah, just wrong. Mm hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you there. Cool. Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, no problem. I've really, really enjoyed yeah, speaking to thank you. Thank you for having us over. <laughs> You're absolutely welcome. Cheers, man. Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Cheers, Tony. Thank you for listening to Inspired Edinburgh. Please come and find us on social media and leave us a review on iTunes. Many thanks.